0: I'm sure if you have had children or you have watched children for someone else, that once or twice maybe a child that you are watching or your own children may do something and you'll correct them and say, no, that's not what we do in our house or that's not the way we act in our house. Or that's not the way, and you've put your last name in there, this family responds. What you're saying and what you're teaching that child is that you are expected to live to a certain standard because of your name. Because of your family name, so therefore it's your family name and you don't want to disgrace your family name and you don't want others to look down on your family name. You expect your children or grandchildren to live by a certain standard. What we find here in the Word of God is uh, the people of God that have been called to a uh, a high calling, but they're not living to that expected standard. That they're living low. They're living beneath their name, if you will. That they're not living up to what, number one, God's called them to and what they actually promised God and the man of God that they would live up to. And for us as New Testament believers, the principle here in the Word of God still remains the same that every single one of us that knows Christ as their personal Savior has a high calling upon their life, and we are not just requested, but we are expected to live according to that calling. There's a name, if you will, that that hangs over our head or that is plastered on our chest. No, not that people can see, but that name is Christian or followers of uh, followers of Christ or disciple of Christ, or that Jesus owns me. And we are supposed to live to a certain expectation we see that this morning we saw that god has called all of us there's a high calling placed upon our life it was a special calling as god called the nation of israel so he has called us we didn't deserve to be called just like the nation of israel didn't deserve to be called but we are his people we don't deserve to be called his people but we are it's not only a special calling but it was it was a specific call And that specific call was for the nation of Israel to shine forth the message of redemption to the world. They failed. They became a non-proselyting people. That was one of the the calls upon their life, specific call, that they were to um, pass on the, the offer of restoration to the world. But not only that, they were to have Jesus come through their lineage And we know that that is the case, and that's what happened. But the reason that they didn't live up to their high calling is not because they couldn't, but it's because they chose not to. Because we found this morning that there was not only the call of God's people, but there was the compromise of God's people. Why would a people with such a high calling live so low? Because they compromised. We saw that there was a slow shift with Joshua's generation and, and Joshua when they made a league with the people of Gilgal, and they didn't drive, drive out all the inhabitants, and they left some of the altars up. They made a slow shift, but then the next generation, there was complete compromise. It says that they forsook the Lord, they abandoned the Lord, they, they, they stopped following the Lord, and They were all out against the things of God and for the things of the world. See, you cannot live according to your high calling if you compromise. I made a statement this morning to you failure in the Christian life is always the result of compromise. Failure in my Christian life, failure in your Christian life, is always the result of compromise. And we cannot live according to our high calling if we are compromising. And because of that, there is something that happens. There's a result for compromise. If you know Christ as your personal Savior, you've got a high calling. You have his name, if you will, branded upon you. And because of the compromise... There's a result. There is an action that takes place. And that is, number three, if you're taking notes, the chastisement of God's people. The chastisement of God's people. Take a look at Judges chapter 2, if you would please, verses 14 and 15. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them in the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. And and as the Lord said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. There is the chastisement of God's people. One of the results of compromise is that what you compromise on or for usually results in the captivity of by the very thing that you've compromised on. That's what we find here. One of the results of compromise is that what you compromise on or for usually results in the captivity by the very thing that you compromise on. See, if we compromise with questionable things because they seem harmless, we'll soon find ourselves giving in to the desires of the flesh which will lead us into bondage and low living. I want you to see what Psalm 106 has to say to be able to prove this point to you. And then we're going to come back to Judges chapter 2. Take a look at Psalms 106, verse 36. That the things which you compromise on will ultimately be the thing that leads you into captivity and will be used... Here we go. We can add something to this. Will be used or could be used for chastisement upon your life. Take a look at Psalm 106, verse 36. And they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. And they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Now go back to Judges chapter 2 and verse 3, because we'll see here what it says. Judges chapter 2 and verse 3. That the thing that they compromised with, they left these idols up, then and they didn't think anything over it. They, there was a slow shift, and now the is coming the chastisement of God. They started serving these idols and started worshiping these idols. And in Judges chapter two and verse three, it says, "Wherefore I also uh, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be here we go a snare." unto you, a snare unto you. I want you to see with the chastisement of God, first letter A, write this down if you would please, the anger of God, the anger of God. We see that in verse 14A, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. This response of God should not be a shock It should not take us by surprise that God would respond this way to his people. Israel had been faithful to the Lord. I want you to turn back to Deuteronomy, if you would, please. Israel had been unfaithful to the Lord, and all that God was doing was exactly what he said he was going to do if they would go after other gods. So, well, does God get angry? Yeah, we can find it right here. He gets angry at sin. Take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you would. Now, this is years before they ever, before uh, Judges chapter 2 takes place. And God tells his people in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Take a look. Ye shall not go after other gods, of the gods of the people which are round about you, For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Turn over to Deuteronomy 7. Take a look there if you would please. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 4. For they will turn away thy sons from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 8 if you would. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 19. And it shall be, if thou shalt, if thou do all, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them and worship them, I testify against thee this day that ye shall surely perish. In 2 Chronicles 7:22, the Bible says, And it shall be answered, because they forsook the Lord. God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore he hath brought all this evil upon them. You know, we got to understand that our God is a passionate God. And he will not sit idly by while sin snatches his people from him, if you will. God's not going to let his people just continue in sin over and over and over again and be totally engrossed in sin and just sit idly by and just watch. No, there is going to be some type of chastisement. And the Bible says that God was angry with his people and he was rightfully angry. He had promised them that if they went after other gods, that his anger was going to be kindled. But how many years had God been so gracious to them? How many years had his mercy been poured out upon them? How many times did God try and draw his people back to himself? And now God's anger was kindled. See, listen, God will not passively accept when his people commit spiritual adultery. You know, when we allow something else to be preeminent in our life outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's just not going to sit back. He's just not going to sit back and just say, well, that's okay. Hopefully one day they'll come back around. That's not the character of God. Listen, you, you say, well, why does God do that? Well, let me ask you something. Well, why do you discipline your children? You know, all of us would, would say that a poor parent would 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 be one that would allow their child to do anything that they want. Every single one of us would say, that's a poor parent. I read of a, uh, I just recently, I read of a, uh, of a young lady who made millions and millions and millions of dollars doing things that she should not be doing. I'm just going to leave it there, okay? I think you can get the drift very well known in Hollywood. She committed suicide. But before that, she had written in some diary that she wished that her mother had said something about her lifestyle. She wished that when she was growing up, that her mother had not just allowed her to do anything that she wanted to do. She wished that there had been some type of control or parental control to be able to protect her and, and she, she didn't um, uh, have much contact with her father but she said, I really wish that my father would have reached out to me and basically said, had been a father to me and told me no. You'd say that's a shame that a parent would allow a child to live any way that they want. Well, then why should we be surprised when God chastises his people for not following the way that they should live, not living up to their high calling? See, we can't, we, we've got to get past the point that we think that God's going to passively accept and just sit idly as we live in sin See, we also see the acts, letter be the acts of God's chastisement. Not only do we see the anger of God, but we see the acts of God's chastisement. In verse 14b and 15, the Bible says, "...and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them." And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil as the Lord had said and as the Lord had sworn unto them and they were greatly distressed. God delivered the nation that he called and loved over to their enemies. He would say, well, pastor, I, I thought that these were privileged people. I, I thought that these, these people, that they, they were called of God. There was a high calling. And I thought that they were exceptional people, that they were privileged. I would say, yes, they, they are privileged people. And by the way, so are we. We're privileged people. But that does not mean that God gives us a privilege to sin. Just because we have a high calling and just because we're a privileged people, just like the nation of Israel, God doesn't give us a privilege to sin. What happened was the things that they went after, the things that they thought could satisfy them, instead of going to God, the things that they thought would bring them real prosperity instead of going to God. They went after those idols. They went after the lifestyle of the world. And it says there that the enemies stripped them, robbed them of their riches. The nation of Israel could no longer defend themselves against their enemies. The ones that should have been over their enemies now had their enemies over them. And the Bible says that they were greatly distressed. What this means is that they were not only being chastised by God in a physical way, but also in an emotional and mental way. They were afflicted and marked by anxious uneasiness and grief. There was, if you will, a constant worry because they had forsaken the Lord. God was chastising them. But I want you to understand the anger here of God and the act of God's chastisement. Listen, it has a greater Purpose than retribution. You say, Pastor, why, why was God angry? Number one, He was not angry at the people. He was angry at their sin. You've got to remember that. He's angry for those people that are committing a spiritual adultery. They, they're, 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 there was the sin that they had sinned against God. Well, then why does God chastise us? Is he, is he trying to get back at us? Is he, is he trying to teach us that, that hard lesson with the club or with the whip? And sometimes God may need to um, institute some harder lessons for us. But why does God do that? I mean, if he's a loving God, why would he chastise? I think that's a legitimate question. The reason for the chastisement of God, the whole purpose for chastisement of God is not that he's trying to get back at us, but the reason for chastisement of God, it has a greater purpose, and that purpose is for repentance and restoration. He is using chastisement to bring his people back. Listen, when we won't heed the grace of God, uh, when we won't take the grace of God and say, wait a second, God has been gracious. I need to change my ways. When we won't take the little nudgings of God or maybe uh, a word that God has given us from his word or maybe from the preach pulpit, uh, um, uh, then what happens is God will increase the chastisement until his people come back to him. Why? Because he loves us. He's not going to let us be wayward children. He's not going to let us do whatever we want to do. Why? Because we've got a high calling, and he doesn't want people that have his name upon their life to be low living. See, the goal for God's chastisement in our life is always repentance and restoration. I don't understand why people... People don't understand the Old Testament... When they see, all that they see is the wrath of God. The Old Testament is full of the grace and mercy and love of God. The wor- listen, the worst thing that God can do to you or to any, undi- uh, any individual is leave them unto themselves. If God left us unto the- ourselves, we would destroy ourselves. You read in Romans how God has given some over to a reprobate mind. Could you imagine if God left you to yourself? Could you imagine if you left a three-year-old to themselves? You say, well, pastor, I, I would never leave my three-year-old to themselves. Why? Why? Well, if I left them to themselves and I didn't care for them, I didn't watch over them, I didn't provide for them, I didn't feed them, I didn't clothe them, what would happen? They would die. Well, that's my child. I, I don't want my child to perish. I want my child to enjoy life. I, I want my child to have a, a good life. I want my child to grow up into. Hello? God wants that so much more for us than we could ever want that for any of our children or grandchildren. See, God uses chastisement in our lives to bring us back to living up to the level of our high calling. That's why God brings chastisement in our life, to bring us up to the level of our high calling. Number four, I want you to see the care of God's people. God doesn't end with chastisement. I'm so glad for that. But he leads them into his care. Take a look in verses 16 and 18, the care of God's people. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the hands of those that spoiled them. Verse 18, and when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. The care of God's people. I want you to see, first of all, if you're taking notes, the desperation of God's people. The desperation. Turn over to Judges chapter 3, if you would, please. Judges chapter 3. The book of Judges is marked by basically 12 judges. You can go through the whole book. Six are predominant. Okay? Six are predominant, but there's basically 12 judges throughout the book of Judges, and and we've got six that are predominant here. And we see here in in Judges chapter 3, I believe it's Othniel and Ehud um, in this passage. But take a look at Judges uh, chapter 3 and verse 9. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord... The Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them even Othniel, the son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother. So Caleb's nephew, Othniel, became a judge over Israel. Look at verse 15. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up and delivered Ehud, the son of Gera, a Benjaminite, a man left-handed. And by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. We see the desperation of God's people. You say, what are you, what are you getting at? The compromise that led to their captivity had become so great, the oppression had become so great that the people cried out to God in despair. Sometimes what God will do is allow that which we've compromised with to become such a bondage to us and such an oppression in the mess that we have made, he will use that to be able to care for his people. I'm sure you've heard this statement, have you not? They had to hit rock bottom. You've heard that statement, correct? They've had to hit rock bottom. That means that the person had to become totally desperate. There was nothing else that they could hold on to. And this is what happened to the nation of Israel they had come to the point of total desperation and they were forced to turn to God. I would say when it comes to sin or disobedience in our lives that there are times when we have to hit rock bottom before we cry out to God. Now listen, this isn't God's fault that we find ourselves in the situation that we're in. It's because of our own doing. Take a look at verse 19 if you will please. What does it say there? And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and bowed down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn ways. Sometimes I'll hear people say, well, why didn't God? And they're in this situation. Well, wait a second. That wasn't God's doing that put you in that situation. That was your doing. See, we have to come to the point that we're desperate for God to care for us. Even in the mess that we've made, we have to come to the point that we are so desperate that we want out of it. And when you and I get desperate for God's help, he will help us. Take a look, letter B, if you will, the deliverance of God's people in verses 16 and 18. It says that God raised up judges. What that word means is deliverers. It means people to rescue or to save. They were raised up, these judges were raised up to save the people from their oppressors. Really, these judges were were not only, as I mentioned uh, briefly this morning, were the ones that enacted laws and made sure laws were followed, but these judges were military leaders because this was military oppression. But I want you to understand that it was not that these judges had any special power. The Bible plainly teaches us in in, uh, his word, I believe in verse 18, it says that the Lord was with the judges. It was God who used these judges as deliverers to raise up the nation once again because of God's mercy. You know what I find interesting though? is if you look at the book of Judges over and over and over again, you'll find the cycle. And they continually needed another judge. You'll find in the book of Judges, you'll see each new section you'll see in the book of Judges. And they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And you'll see it again. And they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then you'll see where they get desperate and they cry out to God and what does God do? God delivers them. He cares for them. He cares for them and delivers them through this judge. But it continually happens over and over again. Now, remember, the Old Testament is just not a history lesson. The Old Testament points us to our Christian life. It is to help us in our Christian life. And it's to show us what, it's to point us to Jesus. You say, well, what is the book of Judges getting to? The book of Judges shows us that no man can deliver another man from bondage. No man can deliver another man from bondage. And it's pointing to Jesus, the ultimate deliverer, the ultimate rescuer, the ultimate savior. That it's only Jesus that can permanently deliver somebody from bondage and oppression. That though the Lord was with these men, they were only men at best. And what they needed was a real deliverer, a true deliverer, an ultimate deliverer. And that was found in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the deliverance of Jesus brings... Total deliverance from the penalty of sin and death. you know what the book of Judges reminds us? Reminds us of how much every person is in need of Jesus being their deliverer. See, it's through the care of God's people that we see how God wants us to live according to our high calling. But then lastly, number five, take a look here. The character of God's people. Verse 19, the character of God's people. Take a look at verse 19. It came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. And they ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn ways. The character of God's people are on full display this is what's so amazing about the care of God. I want you to take a look at this. Uh, let me say it this way. Let me ask you a question. Does God know everything? Yes or no? Does God know everything? Yes. yes. So he knows the beginning from the end. God knows what people are going to do before people ever do that. Would you agree with it? Yes. God still delivered them and look at their character. Their characters on full display. You can see it right here. They returned and corrupted themselves more. Look at that phrase. They ceased not from their own doings. Look at that phrase. Nor from their stubborn ways. The character of God's people, if you're taking notes, put this down, their failure. The people of God failed to learn from the chastening and care of God. The reason we know this is because the cycle, you can see it over and over again, the cycle of sin, suffering, supplication, and then salvation, if you will, or rescue, is continued from one judge to the next. It goes on and on. Sin, suffering, supplication, crying out to God, and rescue. Their failure was to learn what God had been trying to teach them through his chastening and care. How many times have you and I failed to learn what God's trying to teach us? And we go through that same cycle of sin, suffering, supplication, and then rescue. You know, I believe this is why so many Christians find themselves on a constant, in a constant state of crisis you say, why is that, Pastor? Because we fail. we fail to learn what God is trying to teach us. They didn't live up to their high calling. See, the book of Judges is the inspired record of Israel's failure and God's faithfulness. And it would be a huge mistake to just look at this book as past history. This is a book for Christians today. If you know Christ, you have a high calling. The question is, are you living according to that calling? There are too many people that are not living according to their calling in Christ. There is low living, even though... They have a high calling. Let me ask you this evening Are you living according to the name that's been placed on you? Are you living according to the name that's been placed on you? A high calling and low living.